This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's Tucker Carlson's role in the alternative media landscape? Hopefully not Trojan horse. And Trump's CNN town hall last night was weird. This is a Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story, Trump had his CNN town hall last night, and I got to say, what great timing it was. I mean, this town hall happened just a day after Trump's legal drama in New York, and it happened on the same day as the Hunter and Joe Biden House investigation drama, ensuring that there would be no shortage of topics to discuss during Trump's first appearance on CNN In nearly seven years. Overall, my first thoughts are that it was a little weird. It wasn't really a town hall. It was mostly just CNN's Caitlin Collins trying to force Trump to say things that everyone knew he wasn't going to say. Seemingly so that later on, the mainstream media could then smear him for not saying them. For example, she tried to force him to say that the 2020 election wasn't rigged. Obviously, he wouldn't say that. She tried to force him into saying that he regrets his actions on January 6th, which obviously he wouldn't say that either. One of the first questions that she asked him right out of the gate was something like, can you publicly acknowledge that you did lose the 2020 election? Which obviously he wouldn't do that either. And then right after that, she goes to the audience for the first question, which the guy asked Trump, Will you suspend polarizing talk of election fraud during your run for president? Give me a break. The obvious coordination there. Come on, make it a little more subtle than that, guys. And she also tried to force him into giving an answer to the question, do you want Ukraine to win? What kind of question is that? Do you want Ukraine to win? You know what that question is? That question is war propaganda. That's what it is. It presumes one and only one correct answer. Anything else, if you don't say yes, you are with the enemy. There is no room for middle ground here. No neutral positions can be taken. She might as well have said, you're either with us or you're with the terrorist. You either want Ukraine to win or you are pro-Russia. Remaining neutral is not an option. That's clear. That's all implied in that question. There's people in America right now who are afraid to express anti-war sentiment because of this type of messaging all over the news all the time. Trump, fortunately, was not afraid to express that sentiment. He wouldn't answer that question directly, so she continued to press him on it. And finally, he he said, "I, I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying, Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying, which... Seems like a reasonable answer, but not according to the way CNN reported on this little moment here. Their headline on this part of the the town hall, here's the headline. Trump says he wants people to stop dying, but won't say whether he wants Russia or Ukraine to win war. As though that's an unreasonable thing to say, that you want people to stop dying on both sides. At what point did saying that you want people to stop dying in a war on both sides become a bad thing to say in America? 
And when did what were once anti-war Democrats come to see such a statement as being far right and extremist? That's the way they talk about statements like this. It's flipping things on its head. You know, normal human reactions to death going on are, I wish it would stop. I want people to be okay. They portray that as being the radical extremist position. Unbelievable. The most glaring thing about the town hall to me was Trump's energy. I mean, he had fantastic energy, especially when you think about Biden's energy. I mean, comparatively, it's just night and day. There's no way you're seeing Biden doing something like this with the level of mental sharpness and energy that Trump had. Trump was on the balls of his feet the the whole time. In improv, they tell you when you're not in a scene, but you're on the side, to not be on the back of your feet, not be on your heels, but to be on the balls of your feet. Because if you're on your heels, you're not ready to perform. If you're on the balls of your feet, you are ready to jump in and take action at any moment. Trump was on the balls of his feet the whole time, had great energy. I mean, this was a good-looking 29-year-old CNN journalist who was clearly given the task to go after Trump hard the whole time and she couldn't compete with trump in my opinion also for a network that claims to not want to talk about the 2020 election anymore they sure as hell wanted to focus on it last night it's the only thing they talked about for like the first five minutes or so and it wasn't trump that brought it up it was caitlin collins who kept injecting it into the conversation it's almost as though they know that they have the justice system weaponized right now in their favor and like they were perhaps trying to get Trump to say something that could get him another indictment. Seems like that might have been something in somebody's mind. I don't know. To close out the story, here is the best moment of the night, in my opinion. This is Trump talking about the credibility or lack thereof of E. Jean Carroll. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge <laughs> wouldn't allow to put that in. All of the... The Jaina. He was talking about what they would not allow to be entered into evidence during the the civil case in New York. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge <laughs> wouldn't allow to put that. That's classic Trump right there. Sound bites like that are the reason why he commands so much media attention. He's good at this stuff, man. So if you want to see the whole thing, we did do a live stream of it. That was from the live stream we did. Me and a couple of my, my friends, actor and comedian friends of mine, Ian Covell and Justin Ridgway, they've helped out, been co-host of the show before. I'll put the first hour, which is the full town hall with some commentary, not a ton, but some. I'll put that in the main feed and in the subscriber, the XR portion of the show. I will put both that first hour as well as the second hour where we discussed it afterwards and where we also talked about the entertainment industry for a good bit. It was a fun conversation, so check that out. And you can find that XR portion of the conversation at patreon.com slash propaganda report. Okay, next story. The House Oversight Committee investigating Hunter and Joe Biden found that the Bidens received millions from foreign nationals from Romania and China while Biden was vice president. Funneling or laundering, as some would say, the money through a bunch of shell organizations to hide the source of the money for the purpose of enriching the Biden family. This is based on banking records from the banks, and they even mapped out how the money was passed through these shell organizations to the Biden family while Biden was vice president. Payments also stopped once Biden was no longer VP. 
And the committee also found that it wasn't just Hunter Biden and James Biden, Joe's brother, getting in on some of that foreign money action. It was also Haley Biden, the widow of Bo Biden, and, quote, other Bidens who also received foreign payments. So surprise, surprise, the Bidens took money from China while Joe was vice president. Tell us something we didn't already know. Although it's nice to have the little shell organization diagram and evidence backing up what everybody knows to be true who looked at Hunter Biden's laptop. All you had to do was look at the information on Hunter Biden's laptop, and you knew this, but we also know that that was Russian disinformation and many people stayed away from it. So what's going to happen here? I don't know. I speculated when Joe was elected that the media would eventually out Biden over the Hunter stuff bubbling up and then claim to be trustworthy in in this trust building exercise they're doing by saying they exposed the wrongdoings of the Biden family. And then they could usher in Kamala, the first female black president. If that's what they're going to do, now is the time to move on it. However, outside of Fox News, the media really isn't paying attention to the Biden corruption story. So maybe instead of outing Biden, they are allowing this to come out so that they can then bury it, which is also a strategy written about in the propaganda literature to bury inconvenient information. And obviously, the other networks couldn't focus on the Biden legal drama because they had to focus all of their attention exclusively on the George Santos legal drama as the New York representative pled not guilty to 13 federal charges yesterday, including counts of wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, and lying to the U.S. House. I mean, very similar to to what Hunter is being accused of. Interesting. Following his arraignment, Santos said that he won't resign from Congress and he plans to run for re-election. Of course, why, why would he not do that? That's what's protecting him is the fact that he is in office right now. I mean, they can't get rid of him because he was voted in. This guy is an obvious fraud and liar. He, I mean, I've never seen someone be so open about how much of a pathological liar they are, they are because there's nothing they can do to remove him. Except this, obviously, this is an attempt to do that. Uh, to get him out by, I guess, charging him with something criminally. But this guy's not going to step down on his own. They're going to have to find a way to remove him, which is not easy when someone is voted in. Prosecutors claim that Santos used campaign funds on personal expenses, including luxury designer clothing, and fraudulently applied for COVID-related unemployment benefits, even though he is a a co-sponsor of a bill that would help states recoup fraudulent COVID-19 unemployment insurance benefits. I haven't read the indictment. It wouldn't surprise me if this stuff was true. If it's not true, he shouldn't be prosecuted for it. But this guy's a con artist. He's a fraud. Get him out. I mean, if he's if he did this, get him out. Get all the liars out. It would be very empty in the halls of Congress if we just removed all of the liars once and for all. Here is Santos answering a bunch of questions from reporters after he pled not guilty. I want you to take note of how many reporters are out here asking this pathological liar, this clown, questions. You see all these people. I mean, there are dozens of cameramen and journalists out there ready to ask this guy questions. Why aren't these people surrounding Joe Biden and Hunter Biden asking them questions? Why are they following this guy around when the real story is the corruption in the Oval Office. Here is Santos expressing the way he looks at this little situation he's got going on here. 
Well, look, the way I look at it, I'll be a chairman of a committee in a couple of years. If you just look at the standards of Congress, look at the The way he looks at it, he'll be a chairman of a committee in a couple of years. If you just look at the standards of Congress, what he's referring to here is how everyone in Congress is corrupt. So his corruption is no different. So he's not denying that he's a fraud and a con artist here. He's just saying, so are they. Hell, I'll probably be the head of a committee in a couple of years. Because I'm the honest con, I guess. And this one, Santos seems to come up with a, a grift on the spot here. I, I quite frankly don't believe I was stressed. I did the best I could to so just keep my composure. I was I, I was fine. Um, but again, this is this has been an experience, you know, for a book or something like that. Uh, I mean, a book. It's been an experience for his next grift. Look out for that book. George Santos confessions of the most honest liar in Congress. Look at all these camera people. There are so many people there. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden's walking around somewhere, probably, with no one bothering him. No one asking him questions. He's just walking up and down the sidewalk in public, masturbating, as his security detail films him on his camera phone. Don't bother him, it's art. Here's the best clip from this little press conference or whatever this is. Listen to what the woman shouts at him as he's walking away. All right, have a George, where's your husband? George, where's your husband? Which is, it's just so funny because I don't think he currently has a husband. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. He had a secret husband that people didn't learn about until after they elected him. Why shout that question now uh, as he's walking away? Why not, why not get that one in earlier if that's what you really want to ask? And this woman sounds like George's mom on Seinfeld. Listen to her. Make their life miserable. You're not getting that. All right, have a good George, where's your husband? George, where's your husband? All right, there goes DeSantos. What was this? Yeah, not DeSantos. Have I been calling him DeSantos? Santos. And this guy clearly loves this attention. I mean, he loves this. He loves these reporters coming after him. Why was that person holding up a sign that said lies on it? I don't understand that. If people bring these protest signs, usually they're coordinated protest signs that the protest group like Indivisible will give to people so people don't have to come up with a slogan on their own. I guess th- this is what happens when people come up with protest slogans on their own. They just show up somewhere with a big sign that says lies on it. Well, everybody knows he lies. Well, I don't, I don't understand the purpose of this sign here. Anyway, it's all stupid, blatant political warfare. Yeah, he is on one of the committees for Republicans, so they don't want to lose that seat. But, you know, it comes to a a point where it's hard to continue justifying that. Although my position is that they are all just as big a liar as him. They're just better at concealing it than he is, or, or he's showing them that they don't have to conceal it anymore. So on yesterday's show, I talked about how even if Trump appeals this civil case where they found they concluded that Trump was liable for battery and defamation in New York because it's a civil case, not a criminal case. Even if that is eventually overturned, it probably wouldn't happen until after the 2024 election or at least close to it. And it wouldn't matter at that point because the media would have what they wanted the whole time, which is this propaganda talking point. And I said how that talking point would morph from he was found liable for battering defamation into just the blatant lie of Trump is a convicted sex abuser. And it didn't take long for that to happen as Eric Swalwell 
tweeted yesterday, the party of a star. It looks, I thought it was in quotes at first, but it's in stars. I think he probably did that to make it look like it's in quotes without actually putting it in quotes, you know, for plausible deniability. The party of a convicted sex abuser with the word convicted in stars that looks like it's in quotes at first glance. And then there is some community notes there, which says this was not a criminal trial, but a civil case. Trump was not convicted of sexual abuse. He was found liable for battery and defamation in a civil lawsuit brought by E. Jean Carroll. And that is the truth. What Eric Swalwell said is the lie that, you know, we knew that they were going to eventually make that the talking point, but he's blatantly trying to deceive his 1.2 or 1.5 million followers by doing this with the, the whole convicted thing in stars. I, I mean, I could reply to that tweet with something like, so said the guy who got, quote, pegged by a Chinese spy, end quote. You know, as though that were an official statement and this was something that I can prove, but I can't prove that he got pegged by a Chinese spy. I mean, I assume he did. I think most people assume he did. I mean, he probably did, but I can't prove it. So to put it in quotes, it would just be me trying to mislead people into believing something that's probably true. He actually is doing worse. He's trying to convince people that something that is definitely not true is true. It's the opposite of reality. This is, to me, just just as big of a deception or a lie as the lies that George Santos tells. These people have no shame. I did tweet that out about him getting pegged by a Chinese spy. I was kind of hoping that somebody would put a community notes correction on it and say, it has not been proven that Eric Swalwell was pegged by a Chinese spy. What we know now definitively is only that he slept with a Chinese spy after she infiltrated his office. Okay, before we get to the final story of the day, which is going to be about Tucker Carlson's role his new role in the alternative media. What is it exactly? And something that I'm calling Tucker's theory. Before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to do in the Drive Time News Blast XR, the subscriber-only portion of the show. We are going to go through some open source intelligence research techniques to demonstrate and practice how to still find good information that they don't want you to find, even in the modern state of the internet, using traditional search engines, and these techniques that still do, in fact, work. So if you want to get access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. That is how I support the show. And what you will get along with that XR subscriber-only content is you will get this show, the Drive Time News Blast, ad-free. I take out the ads for subscribers, combine together with the XR into your own private RSS feed that you can pop into just about any podcast player where you listen. So again, patreon.com slash propaganda report. Follow me on Twitter at Freedom Act Radio on Twitter, youtube.com slash Brad Binkley rumble.com slash the prop report and those are all the socials that come to mind all right let's talk about tucker who as i'm sure you're aware of made a big announcement on twitter yesterday we'll get to that in a minute first i want to talk about tucker's role in the alternative media landscape right now and this idea that i'm calling very creatively tucker's theory i know it's a, a brilliant name but it makes sense tucker's theory is Something that I noticed 
while watching Scott Adams recently. And for those who listen to the show, you know how I see Scott Adams. Scott Adams, to me, is like the most insightful yet naive personality on the Internet. Like, you'll be listening to Scott, and in one moment, he'll blow your mind. And then in the next, he'll make you think he's brain dead. Like, no one's ever made you go from seeing someone as brilliant to seeing them as Biff from Back to the Future 2 so quickly. It's got to be some kind of record. There has to be moments where his live streamers seriously consider calling 911 because they're concerned. You know, maybe he's beating the hell out of his printer or threatening to or even worse, giving advice on women. 911, somebody's got to get over to Scott's. His brain is not working right now. And he's giving advice on women. He must be stopped. And then 30 seconds later, he'll blow your mind again. It's whiplash with this guy. He was talking recently on one of his live streams about all of the things that Tucker ended up being right about. With one example being what Scott referred to as Tucker's theory, which is that Democrats accuse others of doing what they themselves actually do or are doing. Which... That's often called projection, among other things. And I had previously heard Scott say that he didn't think projection was a thing. He thought it was BS and it wasn't real. In fact, I heard him say that on multiple occasions. It was one of those instances where I picked up my phone. Should I call 911? His brain doesn't seem to be working right. Just said the smartest thing in the world, followed it up with this. It was baffling to me, but to his credit, he came around to it with the help of Tucker pointing out Democrats using this tactic. Of course, a lot of different parties, everybody uses this tactic in politics. He just pointed it out when Democrats did it. So here's the thing about this idea of projection. That's not Tucker's theory when applied to politics. Psychological projection, projection has been studied for decades, and it's a characteristic that's common in humans. Many use it as a defense mechanism. Others use it to gaslight people when they don't want to get busted doing the very thing that they're accusing the others of doing. And others even use it a bit more strategically. And those who use it strategically, there's a better term for it than projection. And that term is, or phrase, is Accusation in the mirror, or also known as mirror image propaganda. This thing that Scott Adams refers to as Tucker's theory is actually a commonly used propaganda tactic that's been studied for decades. The term originated from a French adult education manual, not that kind of adult education manual, back in 1970 called Psychologie de la Propagande. It's a de la propaganda. Sure, I butchered that with my French there, but that translates into psychology of advertising and propaganda. This manual was part of a series of manuals intended to educate people on how to identify publicity and propaganda techniques so that they would not be duped by them. This author explains in the manual that the perpetrator who intends to start a war will proclaim his peaceful intentions and accuse the adversary of warmongering and that he who uses terror will accuse the adversary of terrorism which is a tactic we've all seen many times. It's as old as time and why countries have been known to conduct a false flag or two to justify a war. This idea of accusing others of doing what you are doing is also reflected in the tagline of season 11, episode two of the X-Files, which that tagline is accuse your enemies of that which you are guilty. 
and it appears on screen at the end of the opening credits of that episode. The point is, other than just to talk some interesting propaganda history, is that this idea of projection in politics is not only not Tucker's theory, it's been known as a strategic propaganda tactic with a name and academic studies investigating it since probably before Tucker was born, or at least while he was a baby, wearing little baby bow ties. Yet Scott Adams, a very successful man, highly intelligent man in his mid-60s, I believe, didn't think it was even a real thing that was, was legit until Tucker brought attention to the Democrats' frequent use of it this tactic on his Fox News show. And so to Scott, whose eyes were first opened to the use of this propaganda tactic by Tucker Carlson, the theory thus became Tucker's theory to him. And I'm sure Scott knows that it, this theory existed beforehand. It's just that Tucker's the one who highlighted it and over and over again to him. He was the one that was talking about it and pointing it out all the time, which is not true. Actually, people in the alternative media have been pointing stuff like this out for a very, very long time, just to a much smaller audience. And Scott Adams just was not exposed to that audience, and neither were many other people who saw it on Tucker's show. And that is one role that Tucker has played of late. He took things that we in the alternative media have been talking about for years and brought them to a much bigger platform and aired them to a much broader audience. Tucker essentially took alternative media perspectives that had previously been buried on like the 20th page of the Google search results for years, and whether he truly believed them or not, brought them to this mainstream audience. And in the process, probably woke a lot of people up, even though I was always curious as to why he was allowed to talk about things on Fox News that would get me a strike on my YouTube channel, I still think it's good that these messages got out to a bigger audience, probably millions of people that had never delved into the alternative media got those messages via Fox News. And we can see that as a good thing while also keeping in the back of our minds Tucker's background, his dad being a prolific propagandist for the government, because the fact is it doesn't matter. Just so long as those whose eyes he's helped open are committed to the pursuit of truth and not to the personality who opened their eyes, then it doesn't matter if Tucker is genuine in the role he's playing now or if he's controlled opposition being inserted into the alternative media sphere via Twitter to be our influential leader. Because that commitment to the pursuit of truth is what will protect us from a Trojan horse. Skepticism, questioning, even those who opened our eyes is how we protect ourselves from that type of propaganda. Socrates, not to compare Tucker to Socrates, okay? Don't want to make that mistake there, but hear me out. Socrates woke up so many young people that they killed him for it, okay? And Socrates, his best students, his best protégés, weren't the ones who just believed everything that their prestigious and very famous mentor said without asking questions. Those were his worst students. His best students were the ones who relentlessly questioned and continued to question even this man who led them out of the cave. And that is the mindset that will protect us from a Trojan horse. We are only as awake as we are willing to question those public figures whom we trust the most, even if they are the ones who helped enlighten us, who led us out of the cave. Our power lies in questioning the things our authorities and leaders would prefer us just to accept uncritically. 
Once you stop asking questions, you give your power away to whoever's word you are accepting as truth. Now, if that's your husband or wife, that's fine. But you don't want to give that power away to some politician who's constantly trying to divide and rule you. Skepticism, again, is the best defense to a Trojan horse. It is kind of funny that right now, the most prominent figures, at least the way it's being portrayed, echoing the free speech type sentiment that we in the alternative media have been expressing for years, are the billionaire owner of Twitter, the son of a prolific propagandist for the government, and then you could also throw in, at least in the way the media reports it, the craziest conspiracy nut running for president who never could win, just doesn't have a chance, is a Kennedy. The biggest voices in the distant movement, a billionaire, the son of a propagandist, and a Kennedy. Who'd have thunk it? Maybe it's an op. Maybe the tide's turning. Either way, our skepticism will protect us. And more people are waking up to this stuff. You can see it. You can feel it. The mainstream media is the minority opinion. They just have the biggest platform. Okay, now on to Tucker's big news. He made an announcement yesterday. Maybe you saw it. Here is the video he released on Twitter. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. You often hear people say the news is full of lies, but most of the time that's not exactly right. Much of what you see on television or read the New York Times is in fact true in the literal sense. It could pass one of the media's own fact checks. Lawyers would be willing to sign off on it. In fact, they may have, but that doesn't make it true. It's not true. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. How does that work? Let's see. If I tell you that a man has been unjustly arrested for armed robbery, that is not, strictly speaking, a lie. He may have been framed. At this point, there's been no trial, so no one can really say. But if I don't mention the fact that the same man has been arrested for the same crime six times before, am I really informing you? No, I'm not. I'm misleading you. And that's what the news media are doing in every story that matters every day of the week, every week of the year. What's it like to work in a system like that? After more than 30 years in the middle of it, we could tell you stories. The best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can. But there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. That's not a guess. It's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that. The rule of what you can't say defines everything. It's filthy, really, and it's utterly corrupting. You can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter, where we are now. Twitter has long served as the place where our national conversation incubates and develops. Twitter is not a partisan site. Everybody's allowed here, and we think that's a good thing. And yet, for the most part, the news that you see analyzed on Twitter comes from media organizations that are themselves thinly disguised propaganda outlets. You see it on cable news. You talk about it on Twitter. The result may feel like a debate, but actually the gatekeepers are still in charge. We think that's a bad system. We know exactly how it works, 
and we're sick of it. Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. We'll be bringing some other things too, which we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no others. See you soon. So Tucker is talking about, or he's highlighting, the very propaganda that we've been highlighting and others have been highlighting in the alternative media for years. This show is called The Propaganda Report, in large part because of the very propaganda that Tucker is referring to. I got tired of it. I started exposing it, the tactics, before it was a normal thing to expose the tactics. And now Tucker is doing the same or saying he's going to do the same except he is positioned now as a former insider who is now on the outside exposing those he used to align with, and he's doing it on the last place where free speech exists on earth, Twitter, or X as it's called now, I believe. I think this is part of Elon's whole plan to turn Twitter into this all-encompassing app similar to one that they have in China. I can't remember the name of it. Because as you recall, Twitter's not actually called Twitter anymore legally. I think it's called X now. It's definitely not called Twitter. I think, I'm pretty sure it's X. So what might the impact of Tucker doing a show of sorts on Twitter be, if that is even what he does? Let's hear what an old friend has to say on the subject. You're going to be so happy to see this person. Haven't seen him in a long time. Good to see that potato face. Brian Stelter appearing on, what is this stupid network? Is this MSNBC? I don't know who this guy is, but here's Stelter talking about Tucker's announcement. Okay. Well, listen, Twitter was already under fire from misinformation, disinformation, all-out lies, anti-Semitism, racism before Elon Musk took over. And now it's gotten kind of crazy, right? Seemingly unmoored, uh, if you will. Will anybody be able to police what Carlson says? Mm. Or is this the point? It's just a free-for-all. Will anybody be able to police what he says? What a a, a stupid question that he's asking. I think this is the point. It is a free fall. It's what Elon Musk wants to provide. This move by Tucker may cement the idea of Twitter as a right-wing website. And we see some users trying to go off to other sites instead. Maybe folks who don't want to be a part of that party going off trying to launch other parties elsewhere. But Carlson, you know, he is a... Okay, first of all, the people who he says might not want to be part of that party and are going to go launch other parties elsewhere, they're not going anywhere. People who don't like Tucker, people who don't like Elon Musk will stay on Twitter for the same reason that Democrats hate watched Tucker Carlson on Fox News. They can't get away from the hate. They love to hate. It is divide and rule strategy working to a T. They will stay on Twitter very much. There's no doubt about that. They don't want to go to some platform where all these people they don't hate exist. Who will they yell at all day and blame all their problems on? A prominent figure. He can bring a lot of content. What he cannot do is make $20 million a year the way he was mm. making it Fox. Fox may owe him 25 or $30 million. Yes, he may give that up and make that money elsewhere, but that has not happened yet. To be clear, you know, Carlson's lawyers have tonight, according to two sources, sent a letter to Fox, a shot across the bow, trying to get this going, trying to get a negotiation going yeah. to get his freedom, but he doesn't have it yet. So he can't go out there and make lots of money with Elon Musk yet. Basically, hey, Carlson is challenging Fox at this point. 
Yeah, 100%. But listen, you know, they were hemorrhaging uh, advertisers on Twitter That's before right. this whole thing happened. So you've got to wonder what if advertisers were already fleeing because of this, you know, this toxic culture on Twitter, are they going to stick around now for Tucker Carlson? What or toxic culture? Come in. Because the short of answer Carlson. is there's no toxic culture. No. The short answer is yeah. no. Carlson was radioactive. He was a drag on Fox's profits. So I don't see how Twitter would be any different for, for Carlson and Musk. Uh, Brian, always great to get your perspective. And I'm glad you're no always longer great, across right. the street. Nice to see you. Thank you <laughs> very much. You know, I give Stelter a lot of grief, but it really is good to see that he has not lost that intensity that he has always had. And you could see it there in that clip. Looking into his eyes, it was obvious that he was as thirsty to murder small animals there as he's ever been. You can say a lot about Brian Stelter, but he's never not hungry to murder small animals. I can't imagine his wife likes, or maybe his, his wife loves them. Maybe that's what she loves about him. Maybe she also loves murdering small animals. They did name their child Story. Brian Stelter has a child named Story. Okay? Because propaganda Stelter just didn't flow off the tongue as well. So I actually agree with Stelter there that the media will double down on portraying Twitter as a right-wing extremist. You know, Twitter, the platform that makes Gab look like a left-wing pussy. That's the angle I would go with anyway. But the media won't be portraying Twitter that way because of Tucker. They've already been doing that. They decided to do that a while back, a few months ago. Because that's what they do. Anyone who does anything that they find objectionable gets called a right-wing extremist. A, a baby could start crying after Biden forcibly sniffed its hair and Rachel Maddow would report that it was a diaper-wearing domestic terrorist. This is just how they work. They are assholes. They are huge assholes that Brian Stelter, no doubt, daydreams about living inside of because he is creepy as f he is a creepy creepy person who daydreams about living inside of a-holes and i will leave you with that visual in mind thank you all for watching for listening we will talk to you next time have a fantastic rest of your day